0: hello hello everybody hello we're back back in action calling in from the, the lair the month of october continues we're on our, on our last little stint here of the uh, awareness training month or week four i believe we're into now yeah i think so another uh passionate topic of ours to cover today that's like one of those uh ring the bell ones that we cover a lot on which uh which would be exciting is uh the good old joys of boring software patching, you know? How does it relate to cybersecurity? Why does it suck, but it's so important? And um, yeah, lots of good content I'm sure we can cover.
1: So important I'm to know, a... Derek, yes. you, know, we have been, you know, we have been following the CISA theme for Cybersecurity Awareness Month, right? And so software updating patching is the fourth uh, fundamental so this is good so it's not that boring they think it's cool
0: we think it's cool it's boring if you have to do it how about that if you have to Server do it I can... don't like it i'll buy yeah. that i'll buy that but if you tell sure, somebody else like hey go do it sure it's fun
1: yeah <laughs> exactly report back when you have a thousand touched.
0: thousand right. servers to patch you're not gonna have a good time
1: yeah hit your slas
0: been there done that so yes yeah, so I, I can relate directly to that all right big fix Especially getting just downtime, right? I mean, we can kind of start there. I mean, um, mm-hmm. companies want to stay up 24-7, right? So how do we patch to take things down? That's a great maybe starting point we can dive into and yep. what that looks like, right? So it's uh, it's one of those technical controls that gets um, kind of overrun by the business control that says, hey, go do this, but then they won't give you time to go patch.
1: Mm-hmm. So, maybe so, when, it's, so, uh, so when do you do
0: it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I mean, you almost have to kind of like, like make time, right. You know, the business has yeah. to make a decision. What's more important, you know, and, yeah. I, and I could spend a whole episode on this, which I won't get into, but you know, why your apps shouldn't be so dependent on like one or two things that you can't take down. That's definitely yeah. a problem. Um, Absolutely. I've seen that happen many, many times before I'll, I'll, I'll share you guys a qu- quick story. at a scenario one time where, um, you know, same thing. I was told to upgrade something. And I've never got a knowledge window, like, I mean, ever. Just like, hey, like, 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 you can't take this thing down. But I always knew that every few months, this certain zone in the network would break or crash. And what I did was I had the next device kind of ready to go stage on the new code. So next time it broke, instead of me fixing it, I actually just cut it over to the other one. And that yeah. solved the problem. But yeah, very, very bad decision. Yeah. Shouldn't do that. Um, the business needs to take patching and software updates, I think, seriously. Yeah. Um, Yep. The good and/or bad news is, this stuff is so relevant in the news now. I think you know CSOs and boards are kind of almost yeah. mandating, like, "Hey, we have to do this as well." So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's a I it's know. a core fundamental. Yeah. You know? When when we do our program assessments here with Trident Group, that's one of the things we that we really hit on is, you know, what is your patching schedule? How are you handling um, not only asset Management, but asset discovery, and I would I would yeah. include software, right? As part of that discovery that's a big process.
0: big Yeah, which I'm sure impacts if you don't know what you have. Hundred <sighs> percent.
1: You just stole yeah. my line. <laughs> I, I can't, to, you can't think about one. It, so yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. Derek beat it to the punch.
2: Well, then not only that, really I mean, you're absolutely it, right. But uh, if you don't know the criticality yeah. or the dependencies associated with the system, that's that's another part too, yep. right? So, you know, that even takes a little bit <clears> of
1: <throat> you know, I, I would see this quite a bit with infrastructure, you know, when you start dealing with SCADA um, mm-hmm. and 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 water utilities or, or power grids, uh, there is such a reluctancy to take it down, right? Because the the number one need is availability to your point. right, And what we end up with is a whole heck of a lot of legacy hardware (laughs) because they're never going to, they're never going to take it down if it's, and especially if it's not broken. So that window that you leveraged Derek uh, often, you know, never presents itself, but yeah, we would see that quite a bit in the FBI that, um, you know, utilities are dealing with 20 and 30 year old um, hardware systems for this very reason. They're just not going to, not going to ever take it down to uh, upgrade. Plus they can't afford any type of redundancy, right? So there's not any backup um, resiliency as it were, but yeah. Took us a little bit sideways there. I know we, we're
2: not talking about That's infrastructure, a, it's a, but it's perfect still. though. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah. yeah.
2: Well, in that specific scenario, too, it's so tough because um, in a little bit more modern environment, you can use virtualization to replicate the environment and then test. Whereas in that scenario, it's far more difficult to get replicate yeah. all that legacy hardware and then test before you actually roll these things out. So the risk is That's even a higher.
1: Great point. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. So definitely, yeah, if, you, uh, if
0: you kind yep. of take two different companies, right? If we say like we have a healthcare company that has tons of IoT devices, pumps, you know, care fusion type stuff, you know, heart monitors, legacy gear, thousands of switches and routers and thousands of servers, that's one thing. Now you have like a maybe born in the cloud, DevOps kind of built, you know, e-commerce company. Essentially, you know, one company can basically break things, turn things off and on. You probably would never know. The other, man, you're going to know real quick if something breaks. So it's almost like you have this, you know, conflict battle of like to patch or not to patch, in some cases yeah. where in some in some industries they make it very easy or more so easy to go patch. So it's very valid points on the industry you're in, how old the company is, legacy versus modern, and you know some things like IoT. You know, they just don't make even software fixes for them, so like there even right. is no patch, which is a whole different problem that we can talk about. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, the of,
2: and the life software there is a little startling, certainly. Um, And, you know, I think it's, it's, it's important to recognize that a lot of these organizations uh, may not even have the internal resources to be able to uh, pin down where um, the most critical patches are, as we mentioned earlier. So then it leads you to, um, uh, excuse me, it it leads you to wonder if it's just better to migrate or rebuild altogether in certain scenarios, or if it's just better to have you know, a, a very stringently compensated controls around these systems. Um, you know, I think that's often kind of the solution to those types of scenarios, is um, very strict segmentation, very strict controls around the specific system, so that uh, even though it is vulnerable, it may be very, very difficult to exploit. Um, so, you know, there, it, it, depending on the positioning of your organization, you might have to take a very unique approach. Um, And oftentimes, that's the conversation we have to have from a compliance perspective when you're trying to get compliant. is, you know, why are these uh, systems still vulnerable Um, and you're having to provide, you know, a whole uh, kind of all this documentation as to what controls are in place to, you know, have that acceptable level of risk in your, in your environments. Right. Um,
0: Yeah, So, so let me ask you guys a question. Do you think like people move to SaaS to mitigate some of this risk of having to patch and make it somebody else's problem?
2: I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it. Certainly. Um, you know, there's, there's other things to be said about the responsibility model there, but by in doing so, yeah, you're absolutely moving the responsibility of the, uh, uh, you know, a patching that software to, you know, the vendor, um, Unless, of course, depending on the service level that if you're in control of that, but um, sure. you know, often is the case, especially with pure place SaaS, that you're not. So um, it, it can be very much a viable viable solution for some organizations. For sure, you just have to remember the data management controls and uh, these are yeah. controls. Yeah. Well, that's different great. problems. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, different problems. So,
1: so Derek, we're going to talk. I know. A little bit about like I'm I'm going to highlight something from the uh, uh, National Cybersecurity Alliance. Come up, some of their points uh, in and around software updating. One of those is uh, to get it from the source, right? So I think that I'm safe in saying that in any any cyber nerd or security nerd's um, vocabulary, or IT nerd for that for that matter, in the vocabulary is Patch Tuesday. Yep, and so. Patch Tuesday, I think, as we all know, are the, uh, the the patches that come out from Microsoft every Tuesday. And my question for you as a former tactician, you know, and hands at the keyboard, why do those patches not get applied Tuesday night? Because quite often, you know, in my circles, and I ask that question, typically they happen about a week later, maybe the following sure. Monday. You know, what's happening between the release of the patches and the actual implementation of the update?
0: Yeah, a couple things, right? One is people want to make sure that the patch is like like the patch and they're not going to be like a version 2A or 2B. I've seen some issues mm-hmm. where like they release a patch and it's like, oh, hey, we missed a little bit of QA and it broke something way worse. So they want to wait just yeah. a little bit of time. Obviously, in some cases, if it's critical, you should patch kind of immediately, but there's a little bit of risk there. Um, you know, secondly, it's sometimes it takes time to roll these patches out, right? Sometimes people want to automate them. Or you want to play with them, like in a lab QA zone, to make sure that it's not going to break anything. You know, some customers have, you know, literally hundreds of apps running on their on their computers and servers, and one patch over here can kind of cause a chain reaction, snowball. So QA testing becomes like a really big deal. So, um, you know, there's 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 a the bad approach in my opinion. I'm just saying, like auto update, leave it to chance yep. and and good luck, right? It doesn't really work anymore in today's world, in my opinion. So, yeah. Uh, I got great. a question. What Good what answer. is uh, your
2: kind of thoughts on manual versus uh, autonomous patching, right? And when is one uh, more viable than the other, especially in enterprise environments? Yeah, right? I think in, on a personal level, oftentimes manually patching could is the better solution. But at an enterprise level, you know, when do we uh, prefer one over the other?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like you have to have a kind of a combination of both, right? Meaning almost like manually testing in your QA zone to make sure that the patches are going to work. Everything's tested. Everything's good before you just kind of blast things out in an automated fashion. Um, Because sometimes these tools can like destroy a network. I've seen them like just hog like all the bandwidth and go kind of nuts uh, from that perspective. So it can be very difficult. So I would say, you know, a good rule of thumb is, you know, really understanding your environment to begin with, if the patches are kind of trusted and like, you know, they're low risk. Yeah. You want to automate maybe in chunks or batches, not just kind of turn it on and, and roll it out and, you know, pray for, you know, the upgrade to work. Um, even on the, on the networking side too, or infrastructure side, um, same thing, like you can automate a lot of these systems to do updates on certain hours or certain time zones. And, Maybe you don't want to take down your entire infrastructure at once. You want to do it in batches or phases. So, you know, it's, it's I would say it's automation with manual, heavy manual oversight, and you know, uh, you know, just visibility and, and protection there. So it's always a mix of both. Kind of almost in your world, right? Like, would you ever trust a tool to be one hundred percent for pen testing? Probably not. You're going to use a trust but verify approach. Same thing for patching, in my opinion. Excellent
2: points. Yeah, that definitely answers my question. That makes perfect sense.
0: So, Sammy, I want to kind of maybe flip it a little bit to you. So, you know, from your your perspective, when you're out there doing your thing, you know, how do you kind of determine that something is outdated, something isn't patched? You know, what should you patch first? You know, what does that kind of look like from a, you know, gray hat perspective, if you will?
2: Yeah, yeah. So um, in terms of detection, uh, to your point, there's a lot of ways that we could do this, uh, automatically with scanning devices. Um, and there's a ways we could do it manually, but really it's all about, uh, grabbing banners, um, identifying what version levels are there. Um, and then comparing that against commonly known, uh, vulnerability databases, uh, to understand what vulnerabilities are associated with the, uh, with the application or system. And, you know, oftentimes the, to, you know to your earlier point automation does fails or just you know really is kind of unreliable and may return an incorrect patch level or may not even return it as vulnerable. So there's a highly uh, manual uh, manually driven kind of process to validate that what we're receiving is in fact correct. Uh, and so to your point about what we decide to patch how do we prioritize risk we really look at the different criteria. Um, that uh, impact an organization and qualify risk there. So if the, if the vulnerability has publicly available exploits already available and can be easily exploited by uh, low-skill actors, um, that would automatically increase the priority of, 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 of said patch, right, or said vulnerability. Um, likewise, if this is something that has been outdated for a long period of time, perhaps across many, many, many systems, this is an indicator that this should be prioritized as a vulnerability. And prioritization, I think, is really the name of the game when it comes to patching in general. Um, Because of everything that we've talked about in terms of dependencies and, uh, you know, the potential misuse of automation, um, having a subset of critical systems um, and then, you know, being able to triage certain patches or vulnerabilities within those systems uh, is really how you're going to tackle uh, your yeah. kind of approach in any kind of remediation um, program or any vulnerability management program. Um, so, you know, uh, exploitability, impact, velocity, um, ease of exploitation. Um, oh, that's actually, half uh, it's exploitability, but, you know, I, I digress. You know, these are the kinds of things that we'd be really looking for when we come to. <laughs> repeating myself over here a
1: little
0: bit. <laughs> no, you're doing great. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I think you bring up a good point though, because like, you know, like you might do a scan and like you might find a system that says, Hey, I have like a CVE 9.0, whatever. And it's for this specific application. But when you break it down, you're like, Oh, well this box sits behind four layers of DMZ. It has two ports open. This thing isn't relevant. Therefore, it's, it's critical and kind of on one one side, but when you break down the real criticality, it's much lower. So I think kind of knowing, having that intelligence um, is also very key in like a, a risk patch management, vulnerability management system there.
1: And I think we could file that, Derek, under like risk acceptance, right? Right. Like in, in, that, in that specific scenario. One thing I was wondering, um, you know, now that we've, we put the gray hat kind of in the crosshairs of this conversation.
0: <laughs> what
1: a uh, what about you know? So I think Oracle just yesterday released a, a slew of patches across their portfolio. You know, and I I see it you know because I'm constantly culling uh, headlines and and um, cyber attack news and and whatnot. But is there a chicken and egg situation uh, ever in that scenario where you want your customers and your users to know that there is an update. Uh, but if I'm a gray or not even a gray hat, if I'm a if I'm a cyber actor and I see that maybe maybe that's gonna refocus my attention to Oracle devices, right? Um is that a mindset uh that you would look at, Sammy, um when you're when you're looking to uh kind of target a or identify a target? That is and I can an rephrase excellent if you need
2: question. To. No, no, that's actually an excellent question, and I think it's going to be a. The ma- an answer will uh, come down to a matter of how it was discovered. Um, if this was discovered, if these issues and bugs were discovered by internal or well, engineers or um, internal security engineers or, or white hats, then um, yeah, I would say it's better to inform because the odds of a publicly available exploit or a proof of concept exploit, you know, circling yeah. the industry is it's pretty low. However, um, if Absolutely. this was discovered as a result of a zero day or a- actual real world adversaries discovering and exploiting these things, uh, that's that's kind of a different story uh, because you, yeah. you may not want to advertise that uh, this we, we are very vulnerable right now and anybody can exploit us,
1: right? Right. Yeah. No,
2: exactly, and, and the reason I ask is I always
1: envision kind of like the starter with the gun, you know, before a race, and that that alert, you know, alert, alert, patch, 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 is akin to firing the gun, and then who's going to get to the finish line first, right? Is yeah. the hacker going to going to find the system, target it, and and successfully exploit, or is the system owner going to be able to get that alert, and, and test and implement whatever they have to do? Derek, you described all the steps but get that patch, um, get that system patched, right? What happens first? And I always think about that and it's almost, you almost want like a whisper net, you know, thats that, that yeah. only White Hats are logged into and only White Hats can hear uh, the alert go out, you know, to patch systems. But that's something I've always thought about, you know, cause I've never been uh, that guy with the hands on the keyboard doing the patching like you have, Derek and, and you Sammy, so.
0: So I'll give you a good example. I think this might answer the question pretty well. To kind of echo okay. what Sammy said, um, let's look at earlier, you know, this year and even last year with uh, Microsoft Exchange. There's a lot of zero days around this, you know, um, so much so that um, your old friends at the FBI were actually going around and, you know, logging in. I'll use that term and actually helping patch some of the systems and yep. you know lock things down because that was a scenario where. It got kind of, you know, released. There was proof of concept out there. It was in the wild for a while. And to Sammy's point, it was kind of the opposite. So meaning it was well-known from a threat actor perspective and just ran like wildfire. I mean, like us personally, we saw a lot of customers kind of get, you know, after this and, um, you know, kind of target to this as well. So like you said, it depends on whose side of the coin you get to first, but yeah. it also shows that the importance of patching. And I also want to kind of bring up that, you know, and Sammy can probably echo this more than I can, but even when we're in there and you would expect that something yeah. was, that a patch had been around for say five plus years, we still find examples of that patch not being applied, which is also scary because to me, it tells me, you know, I can give you a patch tomorrow. If it takes you five years to install it, that's another big problem too. So people don't always like patch or they don't want to patch right away in itself.
2: Good. Great point.
0: Yeah. Interesting stuff. Um, the other thing too, it's like, you know, like, let's kind of like maybe kind of break it down from the, the personal side now. You know, yep. so John, if I ask you, when was the last time you patched your Alexa or your smart TV or your printer or your AC at your house? What are you going to tell me?
1: Oh, well, I would just say, you know, Derek, it's whenever my automatic update is, has done its thing. Right. And so to okay. your point... Right. To to our point earlier, that's probably an effective um, technique for the home, you know, for the home user. But I think at the enterprise level, that would probably be not a good answer. Right. Am I, yeah. am I, hearing, am I hearing this conversation and translating correctly?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think also just kind of, you know, things to keep in mind, people out there, it's yeah. like, you know, there's a lot of. You know, connected devices at your house now, yeah. right? Like, yeah, your thermostat, your refrigerator, oh, like yeah. your toaster, oh. your vacuum cleaner, like everything, right? So these let's, are yeah, also me, things that to be mindful yeah. of, right?
1: Exactly. Well, so let's rewind, and and now that I know what you're uh, focused on with the question, <laughs> I don't know,
0: right? But I don't yeah. think it yeah, has.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so like you to when when you're talking about like at the personal level. You know, one of CISA's um, fellow partners, uh, the the National uh, Cybersecurity Alliance, right? NCA, also heavily engaged in Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and they come out with they're following the same theme. You know, MFA, strong passwords, phishing, and yep. software updating. And so, around software updating, their their advice, right? They 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 provided four tips, four um, tips or guidance. You know, for the for the Home user for the individual, update often, right? In other words, yep. uh, update when the avi- when when it's available, <clears throat> and, and and test it of course. But you know, don't wait. Um, get it from the source. I think that's hopefully obvious. Yep. Right, to the end user. Um, in other words, if you see a thumb drive in the parking lot labeled Chrome update, just try to take a few steps back and don't touch Chances it. Are Chances,
0: Chances are low. Chances are
1: very low that's going to be an effective <laughs> update. Not a, not a good patch um typically make update it automatic dot,
0: update dot, dot exe doesn't work
1: no dot, no dot bad, exe? Bad. Okay. That's, a, that's a bad <laughs> that's a bad derek um make it automatic you know that's again like, like i just answered yeah.
0: your your question home use it. totally agree
1: home use automatic that way we don't have to be reliant upon our uh sometimes human inability to be manual and then lastly watch for fakes you know, I, a couple podcasts ago, we were um, talking about—forget <clears throat> why—but we were talking about my mom and um, what a threat she is to to all the computers um, in her ecosystem. But when when I so when I see watch for fakes, I'm like, why are we talking about John's mom again? And and by this I mean the pop-ups, right? Where Don't fall for the pop-ups that come up in your browser or in your operating system, asking you or telling you that you have to update such and such software. It's going to come from the maker of the software. It's not going to be in a pop-up. Right. Typically. Yeah. So, yeah. So again, more talking points out there.
0: Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I mean, they all, they all kind of work through that and and carry on through. So I think those, those tips are very good about the home use and, same thing, right? You know, there's no harm in kind of running through it um, you know, because sometimes vulnerabilities do hit like home routers, home devices, you know, absolutely IoT yeah. things. So just do it.
1: And I think, you know, any any conversation around cybersecurity should uh, hit all fronts, you know, both the workplace and the home front, you know, and I think that's what compels all of our audiences to listen when we speak about security and about cyber. That's what right. I always lean on. I always have. You know, like there is nobody that should not be listening to this because you all have computers in your ecosystem. And they all need updates. It's true. So,
0: yep. Phones too, don't forget those. But yes, same yep. thing. Exactly. And that's the particularly
2: particularly yep. true it's when you only... consider how many people access, you know, their uh work information through their personal devices, right? And how, you know, yep. uh, nowadays yep. hundred percent you know, they're, they're using, basically using that as a as a means to buy. Yeah. Enterprise controls. Right. Yep. Um, yeah, definitely,
1: Yep. Definitely. Yep. Very important. Yep. Very important point there, Sammy. And
2: yeah, uh, phone
1: updates don't just give you new emojis. They give you a lot of security.
0: <laughs> they do. Yeah. Right. Emojis are good, but security is better. Yeah, sometimes every once in a while. That's why you wait like those couple days to let somebody else try it first. Yep. But yeah, same, same. Yep. Awesome. awesome. All right, guys. Well, I think we covered quite a bit today on one of our ongoing favorite topics and, you know, patching, vulnerability management, um, keeping things up to date and, you know, why it's so important. So, I don't know. Any kind of closing thoughts you guys want to walk us out with?
2: Yeah. Patch besides,
0: besides patch. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. 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 That's I mean, all patch, we need. Patch.
2: Just, just patch throw, it. Throw away yeah. your uh, Alexa or your, or your Nest. Uh, just throw it away.
0: Yeah. That's my tip. <laughs> Get rid of old systems you can't patch and then patch often. How about yeah. that? Yep. Yeah. There you go. I'll, I'll
1: let go Awesome. That. Thank you, Derek.
0: All right, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Um, be sure to like, subscribe, follow, comment. Um, looking forward to the next one. And uh, take care, everybody. Bye-bye.
1: Okay. Stay safe Bye, guys. Bye, guys.